If you haven't seen that movie before, that's uh, Inside Out. So if you want more of uh, little emotions running around in people's brains and uh, running how they, like, giving a picture of how we operate on the inside, it's, it's a fun movie. But it also is a picture of what Pastor Taylor talked about last week, right, where he talked about Temptation Road and how we go through life and have these things that are pushing on us, pulling on us, our emotions, different things. Um, And he talked about, um, in this next picture, this was his kind of picture of what what it's like to, to go through life on Temptation Road where you're Driving and some people have the impulse, right? If you're if you're on a road that kind of you're interested in, right? There there are some roads where we just don't want to go, and it just is kind of terrifying. Uh, but there are some roads where we're kind of tempted in life, like maybe it's whatever it's the food or it's the game or whatever it is for you, and you're kind of looking over the edge as you're also driving, and the rest of the passengers passengers in the car are terrified. I don't know about you, but I. I I would not love going on this road, especially on this side. This side, maybe, not so much that side. Um, but he talked about the guardrails that we can put in place. Uh, this one is obviously a road without guardrails, but the definition of guardrails is this. Yes, a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. And that situation, right, you don't want guardrails at the bottom of the cliff. You want them all the way at the top of the cliff to make sure that you are stopped from going off the road. Maybe your car gets scratched up a little bit. Maybe you go through a little bit of pain. Uh, Maybe the airbags deploy, but you don't tumble off the cliff and land all the way in the bottom. So that's what the guardrails are all about. And he talked about how there are some things that we can do to start installing guardrails in our lives for those temptations that we undergo, those things that um, get inside of us and, and just put us on the wrong path in life. And I'm sure we can all think of what those are. And some of the things that Pastor Taylor talked about were giving light to your dangerous road. So just acknowledging where you're more tempted or more in danger at certain points, whether that's anger, maybe. It seemed like the dad kind of had a lid on, on his anger. He had the DEF CON system, and, the, and all the little emotions were working together on that one. But the daughter clearly did not. She was like, anger was, he was in charge. But just understanding what your dangerous roads are for yourself, and then starting to install some guardrails. And one thing that Pastor Taylor talked about in particular last week was just getting together with somebody and not conf- maybe confessing or like just sharing with somebody who can help you work through whatever it is you're going through. So this week, I'm going to go a little bit further uh, on this concept, take it, take, it, uh, take it a little further, and talk about some specific problems and, and temptations that we all face and some particular guardrails that we can maybe install or think about for our own lives. So hopefully you get something out of this. Um, I'm going to talk about four particular ones. This is not a definitive list, by the way. There are many things. And this next picture is a picture of, uh, yeah, there you go. Thank you. Uh, this is a book that I read a while back called Enemies of the Art, Enemies of the Heart. And there's four particular emotions. I was going to say grand reveal, but no grand reveal. No, I'm, I'm joking with you guys. Go to the next slide if you would. There's four things um, that this book talks about. And, and they're like, anybody can cook up their own particular mix of these. This is as unique as we are as human beings, unfortunately. You can have a little bit of guilt with a little bit of greed, maybe some jealousy with some anger. Um, but these are attitudes, right, that people have towards life, essentially traps that we can fall into. So guilt is essentially like you feel like you've done wrong to somebody, and, and we all have, right? So it's not not acknowledging that, but you're trapped in this cycle 
of feeling guilty and feeling like you owe somebody something and just feel like this, a downward spiral, right? These are all downward spirals. If you feel guilty, you feel like you're doing the wrong thing. Maybe you'll do the wrong thing again, then you'll feel more guilty. It's a trap. Anger, same thing. Feeling like everybody owes you something. If somebody does the tiniest little thing to you, that you go off, right? And that you're just upset with the things that people should be doing. Like, they should be doing these things right. Like, and, and we can all acknowledge that. Maybe they did mess up. But your anger is you feeling like they owe you better than that. Greed, feeling like you just need more things. And sure, we all want to be taken care of. We all want to be safe. We all want to be um, have the things that we need. But feeling like you're trapped between these two things of not being content with what you do have or not feeling like you'll ever have enough. So like always hunting for that abundance or like trying to hoard what you have. And then there's jealousy, right? Life owes me something. Looking at what your neighbors have and feeling like you're never going to have the things that you, like they have the things that you should have and that life is unfair. Again, this is not a like all-inclusive list. There's plenty more of them. So for you this morning, um, as you're driving along the roads of your life this week, I want you to think about what those particular temptations, those enemies within your heart are. Maybe your particular mix of, of anger and guilt that pulls you in, into a cycle. And, and that's what I want to talk about. And, and um, how do we navigate those? So how do we navigate these roads safely? And we set it up, Pastor Taylor set it up great last week in that there are guardrails that we can install and some of them are definitely giving light to what those are, so just that self-reflection. And maybe you were here last week, and you've had a week to really think about, hey, this is something that I've been struggling with. Or maybe this is the first time you weren't here last week, you're getting into it for the first time, and you'll think about it for the next couple of days, or, or you'll take about five seconds to be like, yeah, that's, my, that's, that's the thing that I deal with. Most of us can probably do that pretty fast. But today, I want to talk about some other guardrails for those four in particular that we can install that hopefully you can apply to some of the other things in your life. So I want to talk about a character within the story, uh, within my story, maybe within your story, maybe not. Um, but this is anger, right? This is the, the little guy who was in the dad's brain and was driving uh, the bus at, at a certain point. If you've watched the movie before, um, you can see that one of the little emotion characters is sitting in the driver's seat for the mom character and the dad character. You can tell that I've read about this because I'm about to tell you the story, but the mom has like fully integrated her emotions, and sadness is in the lead, but everything's good. They're all working together as a team. With the dad, anger's in the lead, but everything's good. They've got the little DEF CON system in place. They're working as a team. Daughter, not so much. She hasn't figured those things out. But this guy is anger, and if you deal with him, if, there, if you've been trapped in that cycle before, you've probably felt things like, they just should do it right. Why are they messing up? You can, you can tell that I'm like getting a little, this is the parent in me that comes out sometimes. Um, if you're a parent, you've dealt with this before, they're like, just, I've told you 17 times or whatever, number it is, uh, if you want to use the biblical term, seven, seven times, or seven times seven, whatever it is. We'll see, we'll see it later, and, and Peter can correct me. Jesus can correct me on what the number is. But you feel like they should be doing it right, or your coworker just keeps doing that thing that, you, that, you know, that they know bothers you, or maybe they don't know. Maybe you haven't told them, but you feel like they should know not to do that thing, because it's just really annoying, and like, why would any sane person do that to another sane person? Um, 
but then you, and, and you feel that imperfection of life, like you know that things could be better for everybody if they just did that, or if you just did this, and like the, the, that particular melange of guilt and anger, like you do the wrong thing, but I know I should have done the right thing, so you get angry at yourself and then you feel more guilty. I hope for your sake you haven't been there, but maybe some of you have been in that place. Um, as you can tell, I've been in that place before, and it's not a good place, right? You get trapped and you go into that downward cycle, and then you end up sitting somewhere just like, why am I this way? Why, why does life have to be this way? Um, and I hope at the end of today we can talk about the hope that it doesn't have to be that way. We're all human. We're all going to struggle with these things, and we're all here to help each other. So I'm not here to say you're going to be able to eliminate everything from your life. That's not the quest. But the quest is can we, can we rely on a God who loves us to make it better? And maybe anger is not your thing. Maybe it's, it's something else, right? Maybe you struggle with feeling um, with one of these other four, right? Maybe um, the, the guilt thing is you. Maybe the greed thing is you. Maybe you feel like um, you could have, like you should have more. Maybe you feel like all the things that you do aren't going to be enough. Or maybe you feel like you are less than everybody else because you're guilty about these things. And the reality with all of this the dangerous part is that what's on the inside is going to show up on the outside, right? Our hearts are leaky. It comes out in some way, shape, or form, regardless of how tight your self-control is, regardless of how much you try to put a lid on whatever it is, how much you meditate or spend the time, like, slowing your reaction time down, sometime it's going to get out. And so that's, that's really what I want to talk about today. And there's a story that Jesus told, or kind of a an observation that he made that I want to call, call our attention to. So in Matthew, he was talking to some religious leaders. And uh, if we could go, yeah, there we go. So Pharisees and teachers, they were the relig- religious leaders of the day. They were the ones who knew God's law inside and out and were making extra rules for folks that they could follow so that, and then to define a little bit, there were, there were God's rules, right, that he set up in the Old Testament. But then these Pharisees and teachers of the law had set up this whole extra set of rules on top of that so that you could, they were guardrails. And in a lot of ways, they were good guardrails because they kept you from running into the, the law underneath. But some of them were just kind of made up extra silliness. And that's kind of what Jesus is going to focus on here. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem. Like they came all the way from Jerusalem, found him wherever he was, and asked, why do your disciples, you can clearly, they had a bone to pick. Like they had made their way to him. to to ask this question, why do your disciples break the tradition, not the law, the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Like, what's the deal? Jesus replied, and why do you, and this is a question, right? This is a classic Jesus thing. Why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. Pretty serious stuff. But you say that if anyone declares what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, what can they do? Uh, They are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. And basically that was, if you um, said that a portion of your wealth was set aside for God, even if you were still using it and holding on to it, is what scholars have figured out. Like, you had let's say a million dollars in the bank, just to use a nice round number, uh, or $100,000, $100,000 in the bank, and uh, you said, all right, $90,000 of this is for God, and I've only got $10,000. Well, parents, I, 
I can only support you up to $10,000 because the rest of this is for God. And so they were playing kind of fast and loose with what the law was so that they could get away with holding on to the money for themselves in their own life. And the next line is pretty serious. He calls them on it and he says, you hypocrites, which is pretty serious. Um, And then quotes from the Old Testament, a particular line, and then goes on to say, he called the crowd to him. This sounds like this was maybe a private conversation. And then he calls the crowd to him and he says, listen and understand what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but when it comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. And he was pointing out that this is, this is what God's heart is. He's not concerned with what goes into your mouth or what you eat or like the physical sorts of things. It's what comes out of your mouth, the emotions, the choices that you make that define you. And this next part, um, he then goes on to say, yeah, Peter asked, he's like, can you explain this parable to us? And Jesus gets kind of, I don't know if snarky is the right word we can describe Jesus, but maybe he's just like, come on, guys, are you still so dull? Have you missed the point? Jesus asked them, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? Like physical stuff, fine. But the important part is this next part. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. Just like we talked about, hearts are leaky. And these defile them. This is the things that, these are the things that mess us up. These are the things that mess other people up. These are the things that mess the world up. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander, those things that break relationships, that break the world. And when we dwell on these things, when we spend time thinking about these evil thoughts and, and like putting those into us, that's what's going to come out, right? And that's what Jesus was concerned about. So let's turn to anger and a different story that Jesus told, which kind of also illustrate what God's heart is around what the response can be towards anger. And this is just a little bit further on in Matthew's gospel, uh, where Matthew had written down, or somebody had written down the story of Jesus, and this was a story that he told. So the next one is, yeah, oh yeah, yep, there we go, sorry. (laughs) All right, then Peter. Uh, There we go. Yes, Peter. Peter with the good questions again. This time, Jesus is more on on board with it. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Uh, Here it is. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Like poetic language for infinity. Don't count it, Peter. The point is not to count how much. Um, Or as my dad wisely puts it, if you love somebody, in his context is like within family, you just don't count. Like if you're being generous to each other, you shouldn't keep a ledger of like, okay, this person's been this generous and then this person's been this generous and it's got to even out at the end. You, like it's just not worth counting if you care about somebody. So he goes on to tell this story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king. So God's reality, the, the heart of God, what God wants us to experience for ourselves now and for eternity is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And yeah, since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, all that he had, be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. And happy ending on the next one. What does he say? The The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. This is a picture of forgiveness, right? 
it's a like it's a really big debt. There was no way that even selling this guy and all of his things, maybe it would have covered some of it, maybe it wouldn't have. But the the king was merciful and kind, and he just said, wipe it clean, it's going to be okay, I care about you. But then it goes on. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. So comparatively, I don't know what the, the conversion rate of silver to gold is here, but we can imagine it's much much less. Let's pretend that it's 100 silver coins is one gold coin. So way, way less. But this guy grabs him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Then further, he goes further, his fellow servant fell to his knees, does the same thing. Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But the guy refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay his debt. And his fellow servants see this. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. I don't know where you guys are at with the story right now, like what you're feeling. I would guess that most of us have like that innate sense of justice that this isn't right. Like you got forgiveness. You just got forgiven this giant debt that you couldn't have repaid. Why couldn't you have passed that on? It was like five minutes ago. Um, Shouldn't your heart have been transformed by that mercy? But then then the story goes on. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant. Okay, seems right. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And then it gets real serious, and it goes on. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured. There are some translations that say, like, to be jailed or whatever until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So there's lots of ways to take this, right? A parable is a a way of teaching that highlights a principle so that we can, and these are timeless, right? This is something that has carried weight for for 2,000 years plus, and it still rings true today. It's meant to communicate a perspective, an idea, um, and one of the ways to take this, and I'm no biblical scholar, so you do your own research, but one of the things that you can say about this is that if you're trapped in anger and unforgiveness, you're going to be trapped there for a long, long time until you start forgiving other people, because if you feel like everyone owes you something, that's going to be, like, nobody's ever going to repay you everything that you deserve. Nobody's ever going to treat you exactly the way that you deserve all the time outside of God. So that's just something to reflect on for ourselves. And this is something that also rings true with what we said earlier about what's on the inside comes out on the outside. And and the question here for this servant is, shouldn't you have shown mercy the way I showed mercy to you? Like, it just makes sense that Didn't you put that in your heart? Shouldn't it have come out? But maybe this guy just like brushed it aside. Maybe it wasn't there. Like he just didn't take that in, right? And so it's really, really important what we put inside of our hearts. And so the question today is, with what are you filling your heart on a daily basis? And so I want to talk about some of those guardrails for the heart. So just continuing to riff off this theme of what we can do to protect ourselves from those, temp- from those temptations that we have. And the, the four things that I want to talk about that this book talks about as well, again, highly recommended. Um, you pr- can probably guess for which emotion enemy that I read it for. Um, but with guilt, 
one of the things that Andy Stanley suggests, and this is very biblical too, like there's that scene, that scene where Jesus says, if you're going to the temple to offer a sacrifice, if you're doing something for God, if you remember that you've done something to one of your fellow people, just another person, you should go and confess your sin to them and then come back. Like it is way more important to go and confess to somebody that you've messed up and to leave that behind. You can't always fix the wrong that you did, but you can at least repent, which means to turn to a new path, confess and repent and say, I want to do something different. So that's one way of freeing yourself. And I'm going to do these really short, right? There's a lot more to it here, but this is a picture of what God's heart is and what he wants for each of us in, in relation to these things. Anger, forgiveness, right? Realizing that you've been forgiven so much from other people from, and from God, ultimately, that that's something that we should carry forward. With greed, being content, and then showing generosity, and that is, these are all hard. These are, these are not easy level sorts of things, right? This is hard stuff. Jealousy, same thing, to be able to celebrate the good things that other people have, that they have in their life, the good and honorable and true things that they're receiving that maybe you haven't gotten or that you feel like you should have. But being able to, to flip that and say, instead of jealousy, I'm going to lean into celebrating what they have and celebrating what I have, um, which leads kind of to that contentment. And again, this is not an all-inclusive list. There are, there, there's probably, that, well, the list goes on forever, right, of ways that we have enemies within our own hearts. But God's heart for us is much, much greater than these traps. And he wants us to be free. And that's kind of the sweep of the biblical story. That is what God wants for us. Um, he sent Jesus to free us from these traps, and these responses are all straight out of the Jesus playbook. And the disciples, back, in, back as they started following Jesus, were, were dealing with these, right? They had listened to Jesus for years and years and were starting to work out how to live life based on these things. And they wrote letters to each other. And if you look at anything past the book of Acts, right, it's a bunch of letters back and forth to different churches, from one disciple to the other, from Paul to different churches, and one of the things that Paul said was in Philippians 4.8. And you, sh you probably have heard this quoted in some sense of like why you shouldn't watch that TV show or why you shouldn't read that book or why like a very legalistic sort of setup, right? Like you shouldn't be watching that because blah, blah, blah. But I want us to, to think about it in context of what God wants for us and those things that we're filling our heart with. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. He wants us to have guardrails for our heart, and the guardrails are pointed towards the highest possible things, the best possible things that you can put in your heart, like not putting that baggage, that extra stuff that we just don't have to carry. Like if you're locked into guilt, confession will free you to turn towards a new path, to repent and do something new. Contentment and generosity will free you from that cycle of greed. And we all know this kind of intuitively, right? If you have been a kid, which we all have been, at some point you've probably been told, you're not gonna watch that because whatever. Or we all know why, that there are, why there are ratings on movies, even if we don't 
like always agree with exactly what the ratings are. Like the concept is there's a guardrail there because it's just something that people shouldn't have to carry at a certain age. But I would argue that for us in this room and for everybody, there probably should be ratings for yourself on whatever it is. I'm not here to define what those are for you. And people have different temptations, people have different roads, but I would recommend starting with like whatever your temptation is. And speaking of temptations, this next picture is uh, kind of how we're all going to go through life as soon as we leave these doors, right? You're going to put the pedal to the floor and you're going to start racing down the road of life, getting ready for Monday, whatever it is. You're going to like be getting the kids fed. You're going to be preparing for work. You're going to be getting ready for your vacation if you chose vacation. If you chose house, you're going to be thinking uh, this question earlier, right? You're going to be thinking about whatever that next project is or how you need to like reshingle the roof, whatever, whatever it is that is. But I would submit that the first thing that you need to do is slow down just a little bit. Uh, one thing that I read recently, one wise person said, did Jesus ever hurry through life? And if you can find a spot, tell me. I haven't found a spot yet. Just like take the foot off the gas a little bit. But you're going to find yourself in a situation where, thankfully, this guy has guardrails. I maybe could have picked a spot without guardrails. But you're going to find yourself on a road without guardrails. And I want you for all of us, myself included, to think about where we need those guardrails. Because we're all going to say, they should have done the right thing. Why aren't they doing that? Or I just have to get that new raise. I have to work hard. I have to do all of this. You're going to make up stories about how your neighbors are worse than you because they spent their money on that thing, but you spend your money on the right things. Or you're going to spend like your whole day off focusing on the work that you should be doing, and you're going to miss out on the things that are right in front of you. But I hope for all of us that we can live the kingdom life that Jesus presented, that, that hope of the gospel where Jesus stepped down from his throne in heaven. And like that, like I hope if nothing else you get that, like he stepped down from his throne in heaven, came for us to lift us up and free us from these traps. He wants to renew us and fill us with peace and gratitude and hope and forgiveness and mercy and a desire to see our neighbors lifted up closer to God's heart too. So I hope you can think about a world this week where your relationships would be changed, like your closest friends. What if you and your closest friends and your family were defined by forgiveness and not anger at each other? And what if your neighbors celebrated the good things in your life? Like when you got a new car, they came over like, yeah, good for you, or whatever it is, and you did the same thing with them, And what if your coworkers confessed their mistakes to you and you did the same and you could all move forward together? I hope that you can see just like a little snippet and that's like my limited view of what the kingdom could look like and what Jesus wants for us. And I'm going to almost, this is almost the end. I've got one more slide after this one, but this quote from C.S. Lewis, I love this. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of the holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. And I don't think any of us are happy with the anger or the guilt or the jealousy or any of those things that we think we have control over or ways that we try to control our lives. There's nothing that we can guarantee for ourselves, right, in this life. Like, it's all fleeting. It's all going to pass by. But there is somebody, some king, who wants to guarantee better for us. 
And I hope that we can all think about this and this next question coming into this next week, which is what will really satisfy your heart and what are you going to put in it this week? So after the band leads this last song, I'll be in the lobby up by the refreshments. Caitlin, Shelby are going to be up here or walking around. If you want to talk to somebody or any of the leaders here at Infuse about something that you want to pray about this week, we don't even have to have details, just something to pray about, or if you want to have a conversation about joining a group or one of the other ways that maybe you can get in community with folks to talk about any of this, we're here for you. We're all going through our own stuff, and we're here to walk with each other. So um, I'm going to close us in prayer as the band comes up to lead this last song. Thanks, Thanks for being here. God, we know that you want way, way more for us than the things that we can imagine for ourselves. We've all got these enemies that we're dealing with within ourselves, whether that's talked about them today. And God, you know what's on our hearts, everyone in this room, everyone who's online, the things that we're dealing with that we maybe even can't articulate to other people. We can't even articulate to ourselves. And you want us to be free and filled with hope. And you came for us for that reason, to complete this, the story that started back in Eden, where we walked away from you and we said, you know what, we can do this better, and decided we would be our own kings. But we all know that, that's a, that we can't do that. So help us to see this week, wherever we are in our faith journey, what the next step could be, what guardrail we can install in our hearts that you want for us, that we can see a better way out if we're dealing with anger, if we're dealing with hopelessness. So be here for us, God. Help us to be here for each other as your people, as the church, as the body of Christ. Thank you for giving us that hope. Thank you for loving us more than we could ever imagine.